Welcome to Girls Talk Comics. This is Erin, your master of mediocrity. Today I will be joined by Brian Hawkins and Patrick Foreman, co-contributors to the Scout comics book, Black Cotton. Brian Hawkins is a writer, a knower of self, and a doting husband and father. His favorite pastimes include reading, binging shows with his wife, playing dolls with his daughters, and watching his son play video games. Patrick Foreman is a retired Master Sergeant of the Marine Corps, a singer, and a sneaker of chocolate cake. This interview was, without a doubt, invigorating, refreshing, and an absolute joy for me. We will be talking comics, racism, and the impact of black and white art. Heads up, Black Cotton is a book that can and should be read by anyone, but I lean a bit harder into the conversation than Patrick and Brian do in the story. In this episode, I also share a personal story about my family. In reverence to my grandmother, may she rest in peace, I would like to formally state that this story was always shared with shame as a means to teach anti-racism to me and was not shared in any way to absolve my family from the actions within. My grandmother was one of the first anti-racists I met. She was far from perfect, but she helped form my foundation. If a listener wants to reach out and talk about their own familial experiences and process that, feel free to do so through our Twitter or Facebook. I hope you enjoy and stick around for the full episode. It really is a great ride. Patrick and Brian, I really hope they can lead some panels someday. It was good. Thank you. But when you have a stack of 30 in bags and boards and you can't identify a single one of them, you're like, why are they putting Spider-Man on fast Fantastic Four covers? Why are X-Men involved with Captain America? I don't know. <laughs> it's just, there's a lot of stress <laughs> with those covers. Like, and, and, and I completely agree because even with ours, the uh, the two variants from uh, Far Side Comics, and uh, Hive comment, Hi. you know, they got the um, Virgin cover. And I always think about it. I'm like, if it don't say Black Cotton, then how do they know it's Black Cotton? <laughs> 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 so, you got didn't have a sign, right, that says Black Cotton? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to uh, hit you up, though, because she probably got some sweet comments that she can get her hands on. You know? It, it's I, almost... She's yeah. seeing when they come in. There might be a little bit of that. Right now, I am elbow deep in all the store's backstock because okay. the store that I'm at right now inherited backstock from two other stores. So oh. finding, like, detective comics from every stack of hundreds that have been out and then like you open a box and it's just full of comics that are a dollar or full of comics that are about eighty dollars right. you're like i don't know what to do with myself <laughs> <laughs> i might have to talk to you about my deadly class run okay. oh i got deadly class bro yeah yeah i think what I, issue you I, stop I, at one, two three four i stopped at um in the 20s somewhere I'm missing some, so yeah. Yeah, okay. that's my jam. Yeah, I missed some, and so I stopped reading because I don't want to have that gap, and I didn't want to like read them like digitally. I want them like you know certain comics that I want to read holding it, Physically, and that's one yeah. of them that I want to read holding. It, so and, and you will see, Aaron, it, it, between us, we marry so well because. <laughs> He's the reader. He's the hardcore reader, and I'm the hardcore collector. <laughs> so, so, what are you? Uh, are you a reader, or what's your what's your passion with comics? I'm a reader. I barely collect any. In fact, there might be some friends of mine who collect Ice Cream Man who are going to be really pissed off at this next sentence, and that I sold out all of my Ice Cream Man. I was just like, Ooh. like. It's too many. Yeah. It's too much to have all of the singles. If I want to read them, I'll get the trade, and um, that's just who I am. And I respect it. I, thank I respect you. it. I, I, I do validation. Too. Yeah, there's some. There's some covers about, I'm like keeping, but for the most yeah. part, 
Yeah, it reminds me of Preacher. I got like one through 60 of Preacher. Oh, wow. wow. And when I look at it, I'm like, I really don't want that many of, you know, I really just want one through 10, you know? Right. Yeah. It's, I got up to four long boxes of comics, which is not a lot. I know there are people who have Mm -hmm. a terrifying amount, but their pictures of their collections just make it so unattractive. I'm just like, I don't want that many boxes. (laughs) It's just like, no. I live in a one bedroom apartment. I don't need that. (laughs) Like, it's just. I totally get it. Yeah. Picking my battles. I'd rather have bookshelves than cardboard boxes that are destroyed when a cup of water spills on it. Like, I'm fine. Done. Yeah. Why don't we take a moment, I guess, y'all to introduce yourself so people can recognize voice with name. I'll let you go first, Brian. Yep. All right. Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Hawkins, uh, co-creator, co-writer of Black Cotton. Glad to be on here chatting it up a little bit. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yes, yes. And uh, I'm also co-creator of Black Time. My name's Patrick Foreman. And uh thrilled to be here with you. Definitely. Thanks for the invite, Anne. Thanks for reaching out, too. Like, Y'all are going to be my second creator interview, so congratulations. You are going to be in the top five creator interviews for Girls Talk All right. So, hey, hey, we like that. Top five. Yeah. 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 Great. Thank you. Thank you. Nor- when, so when we first thought about doing the interviews, I'll be honest, I was like, I want to talk to readers because like, y'all creators always have something going on. And that's lovely. <laughs> And I support that because I do buy them. <laughs> but you know, at some point, I'm like, why do readers read comics? You know, that's a question I have as someone who works in the industry to sell them. Because, like, if y'all sell them to my store, I have to sell them out of the store, right? Like, it's, right. <laughs> I have to get people back to buy issues, yeah. too. But I do like talking to y'all as well because you guys are readers also. And are, we're, fell so in love Absolutely. with the comic art that you created more this is gonna be a little weird i'm still trying to figure out the balance of like focusing on your project versus just talking about comics and the culture that actually makes me really excited about black cotton because my podcast did get surprisingly political (laughs) and black cotton's really kind of relevant to a lot of things that have been happening recently both in the comics community and in the United States as a whole. This is still relevant. We can make it all happen. Let's start with a little bit get to know. We obviously talked comics a little bit, mm-hmm. but I would assume you guys have some things outside of comics that you like. I have three questions. You can answer all three or none. Favorite midnight snack? Mm. Favorite character from your childhood of any media? Mm. Or favorite worst movie? Favorite worst movie? She didn't say favorite, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The worst yeah, movie you watch is your favorite. Yeah. All right, um, I'm gonna start. Uh, I'll, I'll start, okay. off, Brian. I'll give you time to you know ponder on your answers. Thank you. My favorite worst movie, which y'all might not know of, but it's a Rob Zombie movie. Um, I think it's uh the Lord Lords of Salem. It's the name of it. It's something. Hmm. Check this out. My wife picked the movie out because she like rob zombie movies and we went and halfway through the movie she looked at me and she said i'm sorry she was like you pick the next movie i don't know <laughs> that movie sucked so bad even she could you know she was like i'm sorry <laughs> wow. i love that yeah. you know it's bad if, if, if you ever meet my wife you know that was a hard statement for her to make so that just tells you <laughs> how bad the movie, you know, really was. Um, let me That's see. Amazing. Favorite midnight snack. Oh, man. Chocolate cake always. You know, I just went to the store <laughs> and bought a fat piece of chocolate cake that I shouldn't have bought. But my wife is out. <laughs> so I have nobody here judging me when I eat it. So, <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, Best she flew out Saturday. It. So. So I got at least five days that I can eat in peace without somebody looking at me <laughs> and judging me. <laughs> I love and, uh, it. This, what was the second question again, please? A favorite child, like character from your childhood. Oh, oh man, that that's a little tough. Simply because 
it always goes back to Wolverine. Wolverine was one of the first uh, comic books I ever bought. Still have it. I still love Wolverine. I wish they would do better with Wolverine and bring him back to the platform that he had way back in the, you know, the 80s and the 90s when he was really on top. But I, I, I love Wolverine. Love Wolverine. My my people were Wolverine, Venom, and uh, Sabretooth. That was my three people. <laughs> they were in a comic book. I bought it, period. That's a good trio. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's a good assortment. Dope. All right. So to clarify worst movie, we're talking about like the worst, like like it's a bad movie, right? Like my favorite yeah. worst movie. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> Mission to Mars. No hesitation. Mission to Mars. I believe Matt Damon was in that thing. Oh, my goodness. I love to hate that movie. That is the worst movie ever made. I'm sorry. I cannot stand that movie. These are strong opinions. We're going to find you a can Mission probably to Mars fan hear base. The venom like... in my, the, yeah, yeah. You can hear me. Hear the venom in my voice about it. Like, Thank you. I'm very impassioned about hating that movie. <laughs> oh God! Like, I like I fell asleep watching it. Because I made myself go to sleep because no one else wanted to leave, <laughs> and and I was mad when I woke up, and it was still happening. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, I will never forget that. Never. Oh God, yes. <sighs> all right, all right. I'm better now. Okay. I'm let that right. go. On to favorite snack. My favorite midnight snack is actually bourbon. Um, mm. I like having a, a glass of bourbon like on Friday when I'm not doing anything on a Friday. You know, the kids are, you know, on their devices or they're watching a movie or they've gone to bed like around 10 or, 10 or 11 and I'm watching a movie. You know, I just like to have a glass of bourbon. Just sit there and just watch a movie and just breathe. Cartoon character. I'm going to have to go. So it's twofold. My first will have to be He-Man. Uh, I'm a huge He-Man fan. But I also love Thundar the Barbarian. I remember searching. It felt like endlessly for a Thundar the Barbarian toy. I could never find one. But I have found one now. And I'm ordering that <laughs> bad yes. boy. It's going to cost me a pretty penny. But I'm buying it. Worth it. So, yeah. Worth you deserve it, it man. Well, do y'all want to know my answers? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do, we'll start with favorite worst movie. There is a movie called Hell Comes to Frogtown. Mm. I won't look it up. Yeah. So (laughs) (laughs) it's like this weird post-apocalyptic thing. And I think there's like a lot of like, there's only one man left on earth and he, you know, his goal will eventually to be repopulate the earth. So it's got this ridiculous concept with that. But his (laughs) nuclear fallout made all the frogs humanoid. And I think I fell on the movie's just absurd. The prosthetics is like just super rubbery and super bad. And the scripting is just super bad. And I love how bad it was. And I fell in love with it, particularly when one of the people in the, one of the frog costumes is yelling at one of the other characters and just shouts, shut your hole. in like the weirdest line execution ever. Like it's, it's so awkward. It's like we went from bad sci-fi to like Shakespearean stage play. And I was like, what is happening here thematically? And that was <laughs> when I decided I loved that movie. But it's also the worst <laughs> thing I've ever watched. Um, I get it. I think my favorite midnight s- snack is pretty simple. It's just a bowl of Frosted Flakes. Just uh, like, yeah, just something. Cereal. That would have yeah. been my uh, second answer. I can eat cereal any time of the day. <laughs> cereal is something can I can it. have judgment free in my house. Like my husband doesn't judge when I eat cereal, but if I had a slice of chocolate cake, he'd be like immediately downstairs, just staring at me. Like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> so that might be why my favorite character from my childhood is honestly Crash Bandicoot. I love I that guy that. from the PS1 games. I don't know. I saw a recent like ad for a new figure for him and the only thing that's stopping me from getting it is it's like a hundred dollars. I was like, I don't need a hundred dollar crash bandicoot toy in my home. Um, <laughs> right, or at least right. I don't need people to know that I'd make that purchase, but whatever. It's like, <laughs> so yeah, crash bandicoot. He's just goofy. Has no lines. Thank you, you for answering those questions. I appreciate no it. Very well. That was fun. I've learned yeah. about you guys, and that was that was worth it. 
We're going to find the Mission to Mars crew. We're going to find the Rob Zombie crew. We're going to find the Bourbon crew. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Everybody's there gonna you go. Together. I'm actually going to look up that movie. I'm going to see a clip or something. Please do. Honestly, I am. it's something I would love for people to watch. <laughs> Just <All right. laughs> so everyone knows. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Black Cotton a little bit. Since that is your comic, and we all want people to read it. Black Cotton. Want to give the spiel? The premise? Yeah, yeah. Brian does it the best. Pressure's on, Brian. Let me get the voice going. (laughs) So, Black Cotton is uh, set in an alternate reality uh, where the social order of white and black is reversed. um, And Lita's family, the Cottons, are trying to uh, help their police officer son, Zion Cotton, in this trying time where he has shot an unarmed minority white woman. Uh, so the Cottons are rallying around the older son. Meanwhile, the social climate and uh, everything around the city and even the nation is on upheaval. Tensions are rising because of the reverse, quote unquote, social structure racism, Black Cotton. That's but it's not really pretty... reverse racism, though. No. But, yeah, that's how well, no such thing that's how people racism, are, so. are are viewing it lately, though. Yeah, but really. Yeah. But it's not like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the first issue has dropped. So obviously you're getting feedback from the public, and you already mentioned people are taking it as a reverse racism thing. Can yeah. we just can we just talk talk about that? Because like, yeah, I would love to. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we can all agree reverse racism doesn't exist. So like, <laughs> that's. <laughs> There's that, so that's where <laughs> Girls Talk Comics stands. So, hmm. Um, <laughs> but how has the response been? Like, what have you seen, and what have your reactions been to it? I guess I'll start on this one, Brian. Go ahead. Right. The the reviews have been mixed, uh, but the beauty about it is we've had more positive reviews than actual uh, negative, and I believe that even with um, if you break down the negative reviews that we've we've received, uh, you can break it down to individuals who uh, have uh, made a judgment from a cover or from just reading the tagline and not actually opening the comic book and taking the time to read it. Because many of our positive reviews, people have reached out to us and they've asked, can we do a review? And we're like, yeah. And then their second question is, can we be honest? And we're like, of course, we want you to be honest. (laughs) And we've had several reviews where they start off saying, after reading the tagline, I assume a certain thing. I didn't want to read the comic book. But after I started reading it, I couldn't put it down. And they make it to the end. Right. And what they're saying is that you know, my perception was wrong. And once I actually gave it a chance, it was something totally different from what I thought it would be, which goes back to what you were talking about with uh, many people assume that it's reverse racism or they assume that what you're going to see is everything you know just flipped in color-wise, but it isn't. It is... It is right furthest from that uh the the biggest thing that they miss is it says the social order is in reverse and it's not a reality uh check it's not a preaching story it is a actual phenomenal story that is unfolding period but it's a story that is designed to challenge your perceptions your implicit bias and it is a mm-hmm. it's taking you through a process that me and Brian have went through for I would say from since we started in January 2020 because that's when me and Brian started uh, to now that we probably had a thousand times because we we talk constantly yeah. and in those talks and in the vamping and construction of Black Cotton. We've had to deal with some of our own implicit bias and we've had to identify it and then talk about it and then address it. And after that, 
remove it from the story <laughs> because we don't want our implicit bias in there because it will yeah. mess up the entire story. So that's that's my piece on it. What you got, Brian? <laughs> I mean, very well said. And the only thing I can add to that is like I brought up at the end uh, reverse racism, you know, on purpose because it's fresh in my mind, I think. Um, the reviews have been mostly very positive and i think what stands out in my mind is you know the small group who you know sees it as as some type of like as racism as like this is a racist book and it just really baffles me that when you do a, a alternate reality story with which happens all the time by the way mm-hmm. um i mean man in a high castle i mean is that a uh is that anti-semitic i mean like that doesn't get that tag but this gets that tag um, because of the the sordid history that America has with race and then even going further with slavery. And so, I don't know, you know, on a, on a human condition level, it, <laughs> it really kind of just shines bright for me, like how much as a whole, I think, you know, we don't want to really look in the mirror at ourselves. And I'm not right. just... Speaking of one race, I'm 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 talking about humanity. Right. We don't want to really look at ourselves. Um, and then the best way for us not to look at ourselves is for us to throw out a label real quick mm-hmm. that justifies how we feel about something, so that we don't have to feel a certain way or even begin to think about how we feel about ourselves. And so to tag black cotton racist or reverse racism does a disservice to I think uh, I'm gonna say it the potential of humanity, and I think that's what. Patrick and I are trying to write to is the potential of humanity. Yeah. And and what that in order to do that, we have to embrace different perspectives. Not saying one perspective totally. is right over the other. We're just saying let's change the perspective. And the perspective that you're bringing into it, let's see what happens by the time you finish this. It's a journey of self-discovery for us all, as Patrick was describing. You know, we're on the journey too, as the creators and writers. Like we're going through a process as well. But it just amazes me how quickly some human beings are willing to just cut themselves short of growth, <laughs> just because they are afraid of of being refined. I love all of that, and actually, I'm glad you talked about implicit bias. As soon as I read those words in the issue, I was like, "Fuck yes!" Because you know, everyone wants. <laughs> concrete examples of racism or sexism or ableism or anything like that but the that implicit bias is what's really nefarious about it right and working in mental health and i've worked with uh, adults with intellectual developmental disabilities mm-hmm. going through social work classes you know we spent so much time in that that universe spends so much time trying to do that self-reflection and growth in understanding Mm -hmm. our biases. I'll be honest, the field as a whole really lacks any conversation about race. It really does. So like the Mm -hmm. fact that y'all had to talk about your implicit bias for that, I was really jealous. (laughs) I have a lot of white (laughs) counterparts and they don't always want to admit that it's racism. And I'm like, you know, like, Maybe our one black client is like, we need a little special approach to her. Yeah. You know, I I worked with one woman who tiptoed around saying she was a good placement for one of my clients because they were both black women and she didn't want to talk about how the woman's hair had been neglected. And I was like, you could just say that. Mm -hmm. It's fine to just say that. Like, it's important to acknowledge that. But that was the closest Mm -hmm. to a race conversation I had in the IDD or the mental health world. So reading this comic was really, really great because it <laughs> the lack of color in it, in the art as well, right. just really cool. takes it down to the bare minimum of what are these people saying? And they're saying things like, I thought she had a gun. Okay, that's not a good argument. They're saying things like, what will it cost for you to go away? And you're like, that's not good stuff, <laughs> regardless. <laughs> and so, Right. I'm glad that implicit bias was specifically said, and I hope people Google it. Google implicit bias. <laughs> Please Google, Do guys. Do some research. Please. Yeah. Because yeah. that's <laughs> and, and, what we're talking about. 
I'm glad you said that. You you said a couple of things. One, especially about the color, because we've uh, received that question in uh, several other talking with people, and it was it was by design. You know, it really wasn't a, a a deep or long conversation between me and Brian. Like, hey, should we do color or not? It was actually both of us. It was probably what a five minute, you know, thing. It it was more like. <laughs> Oh, you were thinking the same thing, black and white. Yeah. Hey, me too. You know, <laughs> and and it's, it's so a funny. literally a black and white conversation, like right. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. and, and it, it was so cool because we wanted people to not get distracted. So just like how you were describing it. Mm-hmm. We wanted people to, one, focus on their expressions. Look at the expressions on the people's faces. We wanted you to hone in on the words that are being said, you know, and, and not get caught up in the color. Because I mm-hmm. feel if we if we had colored it, then we would be have more having more conversations about, well, why would you use that color? And I don't know, you know... It, it would have been more right. about the color instead of the content. And mm-hmm. we feel that Black Cotton is such a powerful tool to create conversation. This is what we love. Me and Brian, right here, talking to you. This is some. if we could do this every day, this is what we do. This is why we, <laughs> yeah. we brought Black Cotton to the world. Because we wanted people to, one, be able to read it identify certain things, have that conversation with yourself, you know, like, whoa, wow, oh, snap, have that clarity. And then have that done energy built inside of you where you're like, I got to talk to somebody. Yo, hey, let's talk about this. (laughs) Yes. And and this is what the world needs. The world needs more people to get back to actually having conversations with each other. I think right around the time that I read the preview, I have to, I can't find the date for that specifically. I had to do a cultural awareness training. That's what it's all called in the mental health <laughs> world. Training. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it always ends up becoming somebody saying something about dividing us on color or whatever. And Reading that issue, I've always wanted to do this, but being a petite white woman, I kind of don't like to confront strangers when we don't have videos. And I'm like, I'm just going to be quiet. It's fine. But there's always at least one person who's like, why are we dividing each other by race? And why are we talking about this? And da da da. And I now at this point, I kind of want to go because what we're doing is bad, regardless of the color. And Y'all made it about the color because we're specifically neglecting our black clients. Like you just mm. specifically that employer was in a county here that has majority of the black population in Kansas. Um, so it's also it's also a very poor county. And mm. to have a mental health center that's predominantly white, middle class and from yeah. outside of the county, it's kind of like, maybe we should should talk about that. <laughs> like that's like yeah. you know, another way that racism is showing in our system. Like it's like maybe it's, but so this is um no, that's, yeah, that's deep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's real. I mean that's real. Material like this where it really breaks the message down is useful for me as somebody who participates in and should challenge those conversations because it like it really did just break it down like it is shitty to just ask somebody how much does it cost to get rid of you it's just straight up like you know it's just a horrible thing to say regardless and if you're saying it to somebody you need to think about why it was okay and if that is because they're a different gender a different sexuality a different religion or a different color that's a problem so it's like so this is good stuff. What I'm saying Absolutely. as a reader is you're motivating me to talk more about it. So thank you. That's awesome yeah. to hear. That's, yeah. yeah. I mean, thank you for that. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, that's cool. And, you know, it, it, it's a lot to unpack with what with that. When Jaleesa says that at the end, like, you know, how much are called, like, the, the inner issue one, it's a lot to unpack because, you know, is she speaking from, you know, her being Black or is she speaking from her being rich? 
or is she speaking mm-hmm. from both? Um, yeah. Or is she speaking from her, her, her own ego with, with her class and with her knowledge base and with her education? So there's a lot of places that Lisa could be coming from. And I think, you know, as the story go on, you know, maybe we'll look back at that and, you know, in, or maybe readers will uh, make that judgment call on their own. Like what place is she coming from? But you hit the nail on the head at the end of the day, no matter what place she's coming from, you just don't say that to someone. That's not, yes. you know, that's yes. not love. You know, that's, that's not kindness, you know? So, yeah. I actually important. really do like the classism still in there because like being with, around a lot of uh, leftist folks, we do like to talk about what will fix it all. And of course, everyone's like, destroy capitalism and everything's saved. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe a little bit, but like people still suck yeah, yeah, regardless I mean, of how much money like they make. Right. So yeah. I, I thought that was still kind of cool to have that in there. Yeah. It's all a human condition problem that we've built different social constructs around race is a is a social construct um you know mm-hmm. beyond what our skin is i mean at the end of the day because i don't have black skin i have brown skin actually and we all actually have a tone of some form of brown skin melanin all of us it's it's the degree of melanin in our skin uh that gives the inflection of what shade of brown we are uh, so, so for me to even, I'm sorry. She said I have 0.5 percent. I got like eight <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Right, Just but like, me. so you know, yeah. I mean, you're not like the color white. I'm not the color black. So what does that mean anyway? It's a social construct. We just understand mm-hmm. to say those words and what they mean, and those things were given to us, um, and it's yep. now embedded in. In, inside of us, in our in our ideology, in the way we think about ourselves and see ourselves. But if you can begin to kind of strip that down some, and, you know, you can see the show, the social construct that it is, and what formed that social construct, um, and what's behind that social construct. And the real color that's behind it is green. Right. Yeah. So. Can I share a kind of a weird and personal story about my family when mm-hmm. it comes to? Okay. Your um, show. Thanks. <laughs> so despite <laughs> this pale 0.5% melanin does ironically come from my Mexican family. Mm. I am Mexican. Okay. Nobody knows it because I am a blonde, fair, blue-eyed whitey who also doesn't speak Spanish. So that kind of ties into that too a little bit. But like, no. <laughs> my mother, on the other hand, has black hair, brown skin, brown eyes. And she got that from her French Canadian family. So when my grandmother was married to my mother's father, uh, his family was pretty racist. Let's just say they were on the border of Texas. So like, let's be real. And they would play Mm -hmm. stupid little games where my aunt, being the daughter of the landowner or whatever, but also dark haired, was dressed up and also handing out gifts to the Hispanic workers' children. And when I heard that story growing up, that was when I realized it was all a fucking money game. And I was like, that's a disgusting game to play. But, you know, that was another one of those situations of like having to always sit there and think about like, what did my family do? That that was hella embarrassing. And also, how do I never do that again? Never do that. Um, But, you know, it's just examples of like that where it's like, that was so money motivated by the family too and very real because it wasn't politicians in DC or a CEO. It was great grandparents of mine did stupid shit like mm-hmm. that. And I'm like, hmm, hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> because of my yeah. fair skin that sorry to overshare with that. Like, that was not meant no, kind of no, like a, no. a weird guilt thing. It was just an example of this conversation in real life. So, but that's the, uh, that's the beauty of black kindness. Yeah. You know, without us bringing a platform to where discussions like this can happen and you feel safe enough to share it, you know, then these com- these types of conversations will never happen. I believe you're you are not alone in that. Right. If, totally. If we, if we really think about it and people say it all the time, 
You know, I mean, civil rights was not that long ago. It wasn't. It really wasn't. Yeah. So that, that in itself means that there is a huge generation of people just like you with close ancestors. Not We're not talking, you know, great, 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 you know. We're talking close ancestors that if they Googled them, they might be one of in one of those pictures that pop up where they got mm-hmm. kids on their shoulders and somebody's dead is right there in the picture you know and this is this yeah. is you know stuff that people they don't want to actually talk about they want to just leave it and kind of say it never happened and what we're saying is don't say it, it never happened yeah let's just throw it on the table yeah. and talk about it you know that's about it Let, let's let's acknowledge it so we can move on you know but if you say hey it never happened then it's almost like just a disrespect mm-hmm. and yeah let's just talk about it it's okay you know yeah. it's all right i think i saw a lot of people recently certainly with the covid conversation and that being everywhere of course. Mm-hmm. And with this last presidency and everything that's happened from that, um, we finally as a country just kind of need to accept that we are traumatized because it's, yeah, yeah okay. it's, We're it's not going to do anything to admit it. We just have to. Like, let's not lie anymore. We have had a disaster over the last four years. Let's just accept it. <laughs> Talk about it. And, every, and all of that past history to come back. Like, we have to Anyway, you know what? I'm mostly now, saying this so other white listeners can feel safe. I'm so sorry. I'm not, I don't mean to burden you with it. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, I will say this, though, to people. Black yes. kind don't go that hard, you know? Okay, good. <laughs> yes, sorry. I go that hard. And <laughs> we, going back to the reviews, we've had... We had this one review that really got under my skin, and Brian had to really, you know, uh, talk me, talk me down. <laughs> but we had uh, this black female and this uh, white guy over in the UK somewhere, and she was going in. I mean, she was going in, and she actually said, you know, that uh, she couldn't set her implicit bias aside. And that's that's good to go. I understand. But she wanted us to go hard. I mean, she was looking for that reverse racism, you know, and that's not what black kindness is all about. And, and one thing that I, you know, will say that me and Brian talked about is how can you expect change if you never uh, give people an example of the change that you are seeking. For instance, my example would be Zion. In the story, you will notice that Zion, the cop who shot the minority white woman, shows remorse. And it's too many times that these incidents have happened in real life, and we see the law enforcement that were involved show no remorse. Somebody is dead and they're dead because of an action that you were involved in. It's okay to show remorse. They view it as an admission of guilt, but it's not always an admission of guilt. It's just how human beings should react, especially if somebody died, you know? So we show the change that we seek. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> like, okay, I'm gonna listen to y'all for the rest of it. I've got a lot of processing, and y'all have a great back and forth. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 Brian, what was the one where you always talk about? You give that uh, quote, the, Malcolm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Malcolm quote. Yeah, you were saying it um, about putting things on the table, and one of the things that stands out to me uh, from the autobiography of Malcolm X. It, it's funny because Malcolm is taught, you know, in schools as being the militant one, right? Uh, but one of his most militant things was, let's sit down and have a conversation. That's what Malcolm said for the 
two sides, white and black, to sit down and have a conversation. Go to the table, look each other in the eye, and talk about it. Let out negative, positive, let it all out so that we both can see each other for who we are. And then from there, we can start to build something. Maybe it is going our separate ways, but at least separate ways would have an understanding of what needs to take place, what needs to be built to to, to separate and then form a bridge. But if you don't ever have the conversation, if you sweep under the rug, if you dole out money to make it go away, if you take away the mirror, whisper sweet nothings, everything's fine, everything's fine. What you get, not to politicize, is the last four years. You get people who are who really don't know who they are, but they have an idea of who they want to be. And so you you see yourself through the lens of someone else and through your uh, your wants and your desires, which then go back. I mean, I could wax on a little bit about about dukkha and and, and suffering and, and the stuff and not getting what we want, which causes our suffering. That's what we experience, and that's what we see mostly in you know in our America and in our world is this fractured desire of what we want to be with the inability to get to the place where we want to be because we're not actually seeing ourselves the way we should see ourselves. And sometimes it takes you looking at me who might not look like you to actually see who you are. And that's okay. That's the way the universe is built with differences and diversity, multifaceted organisms that do not do the same thing or look the same way, but they all come together for one remarkable ecosystem. And we, we're we all built the same way. Um, but when you go against what is naturally made, what nature intends, which is what we've always done, we get destruction. We get suffering. We get dukkha. And that's where we're at. It's the cycle that we're in until we look at each other, sit down at the table, have a conversation. This is why I love reading comics. Because... <laughs> Exactly. All of this yeah. from a comic. Exactly. Yeah, all this from a comic. Like that's exactly. It's beautiful comics stuff. Great. Like y'all are bringing really great ideas and vibes and beautifully collected aesthetic. Because that again, I think that black and white art is really gonna. Like, I hope you guys lead a re- revolution, kind of with that. Um, I do read manga, and it's always black and white, and it's still beautifully well done. And so I hope that you too can make a positive impact for the black and white art as a valid form of comic books. I have a feeling that's going to be a common complaint <laughs> to going now, forward. Wow. Definitely appreciate it. <laughs> Shout out to Marco. Marco, you know, he, he took this idea that Patrick and I had, you know, in how like the organic form, visual form and concept that we wanted. And he's just worked magic. You know, he's, you know, without his, his storytelling through art, none of this would come across. And, you know, so it would be, you know, we would be remiss if we did not shout out Marco and, you know, our whole team, Francisco and Jerry and Marcello, all of them for this awesome collaboration and how they have, they've taken Patrick and I under their wing, right? And, 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 and helped to build and mold this magical thing. And I call it magic because it's amazing to see it, yeah. it birthed the way it, it has it has been birthed you know Patrick and I talk about it all the time although we're 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 tagged as like creators of this uh, you know we're we're contributors right <laughs> to this thing that this whole group is is forming and, and, I love this. and here's what, here's what yeah. I'll say cuz I love to say this to the world is our black kind team is a true diverse team yeah. internationally. I mean, Marcello is in uh, Brazil. Uh, Marco, he's in Italy, right? Yeah. We got Francisco. Uh, Ar- yeah, it's Argentina, French. right? Argentina. Argentina. And Jerry is in Sweden. Right, Sweden, yeah. And I should know this because I had to mail the comic books off to him. Man, that was a great, <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> That was my first time mailing stuff internationally. I was like, I was looking at the post person like, run it again. You know? 
the true behind the scene costs of comics, the unknown ones, international <laughs> shipping. Yeah. yeah. But but Jeez. hey, I I sent it off with pleasure. You know, me and Brian, I should say, you know, me and Brian sent those comics yeah. off with pleasure. Because without them, you know, Black Kind, it wouldn't be. It's a true team effort. And we're all contributors and we all want the best. Yeah, this has all just been wonderful. So we usually just try to keep our episodes at about an hour. So probably like I'm not entirely even sure how we can follow any of that up with like maintaining that momentum (laughs) and grace because I'm kind of overwhelmed and still new to interviews. It's fine. I'll be honest. Um, Thank you guys so much for coming on and joining me today for this. This has really been phenomenal. And I really have to hunt down that first issue with the second print coming out. I missed the first print. I really did. I was like, "Ah." (laughs) but I'll do better. I promise. Uh, Midtown comments. I, I saw they, uh, you know, you can pre-order it uh, from them, okay. uh, Farside Comments. Yeah, I was on it today. I, I almost ordered some myself. Hey, you know that uh, I saw yesterday because uh, a friend of mine from school, from high school, he hit me up. Great guy, great guy. He's actually the vice mayor of the town we grew up in. It's so, it's so, so crazy, man. <laughs> it's so cool. He was inquiring about comic and um, Wrath of Comics, actually. Has a, they bought in bulk from Scout, so they have a few left. They got some upcharge on it though, but okay. they have they I'm have a Kia cover. Oh, they wow. have they they have they have a Kia cover, and they got a couple ash cans, and they got a couple of the main covers too. But yeah, while I'm on it, Scout Comics, you know, shout out to them too um, yeah. for for one publishing us, of course, and two, you know, they really brought us into their family. Patrick and I got that email, you know, we want to welcome Black Cotton to the family. And it really has felt that way. Our editor That's Andrea, amazing. like Brendan, James, David, I'm I i do not want to forget any names, but uh Charlie. Scout Comics is is phenomenal. And for oh. them to put their trust, you know, in us and our team and to back Black Cotton to take a you know a chance on on, on Black Cotton. You know, it, it truly means a lot. Yeah. That's awesome. I just want to say, uh, hey, thank you, Aaron. You know, definitely this has been a phenomenal time, you know, talking yeah. with you, having this conversation with you. Every interview, it seems like it's different and we love it simply because it sounds and it actually flows just like a conversation as if we were, you know, in a coffee shop, you know, talking to each other. And that's what we love. Like yeah. I said before, yeah. you know, uh, we, we love the conversations because we love the honesty and through conversation mm-hmm. is where growth happens. So we learned a lot about you and we learned about, you know, some areas in the mental, you know, health that they need to, yeah. you know, also work on yeah. So this is phenomenal. Hey, hey, appreciate appreciate you reaching out to us. And guess what? Anytime, anytime you want us, all you got to do, you got our contacts, hit us up. Keeping that in mind. And I also hope anybody who listens to this and reaches out to y'all afterwards keeps all of your little hints about how to have a good interview with you in mind. No pressure. <laughs> anybody following this? No pressure. <laughs> So for our little sign off here, we like to do one of those really long, kind of annoying, bye, nasally buys. We just okay. love that. Uh, okay. So okay. what I'll do, we'll do too. like a, your wife does that too. <laughs> yeah, my wife be like, bye. <laughs> I started doing that because the comic shop's owner's wife started doing that and it really okay. pissed him off. So <laughs> we at the store just started doing that. So he would leave nice. and we would all just be like, bye <laughs> like as oh, soon as you got the door and he's like i'm gonna fire all of you and <laughs> <laughs> so that's why i love it why not piss off your the person he's paying you so yeah why not, why not? see how far you can go with that bye, bye. <laughs> thank you guys they're restarting spider-man again yeah, yeah. they're always starting spider-man again yeah it's, I figured I would. Uh, I like far, uh, far side comments, man. He be having yeah. Uh, some, yeah. yeah. One. They have some dope coverage, man. 
Yeah. Plus, he offers uh, CGC. I figured, hey, why do I need to send it in? If right. He, he's only charging $45. It costs $30 to get it done. And right. I still got to ship it and get yeah. it back. So I was like, that's about $45 right there. So let him do so it. You got this, so you got the CGC Spider-Man 1? Yeah. Is that what you got? Ooh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I figure I'll go that's ahead awesome. and, you know, uh, the Virgin <laughs> cover too. Ooh. I know that's your thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are going to be so nice. nice. I know. Nice. Okay. I'll tell you something, Aaron, that uh, I got two years ago. And okay. really wasn't. I just got it because I look and kind of look for deals, I guess you could say, or some steals. And yeah. and I got a, um, the Ultimate Fallout number four uh, signed by Stan Lee and um, Bagley, uh, CGC graded uh, for $218. Oh, man. And, wow. And that thing, uh, yeah, wow. just been going crazy. This this week, uh, wow. old boy from Farside, he uh <laughs> he bought two for like uh two grand a piece. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So I was like, man, I'm gonna just that two weeks from my blood. Yeah, I'm gonna take that away then. <laughs> <laughs> no. You asked how, how long we had been doing this, um, and you're talking about the Virgin variants and stuff. I've been working in a comic shop for about five years, and so okay. every time I see a Virgin variant, I'm a little bit, a little bit. I have met like three artists, and I just listen to them bitch, and then the trust is I never repeat what they say, <laughs> <laughs> so they can still get jobs. <laughs> it's... Uh, <laughs> um. So I started recording because Jess absolutely loves candid talk to throw in randomly. Nice. So power to her. I would gladly have her here, but her internet sucks and um, she doesn't like to do the interviews as much as I do. So it's all good. we play to our strengths. It's fine. Um, we're perfectly married like that where she does audio and I just get to talk to people. It's perfect. Sound like a good relationship. It's it's amazing. <laughs> like, my strength right. is not sitting and doing that. So power to her. 